Amen. Can you guys turn in your Bibles um, with me to 1 Kings chapter 17? Um, and whenever I, here's what I, I kind of, I feel like God is preparing us for an amazing move of God that we have not seen. And as, as much as I love the moves of God I've seen in history, what he is going to do here isn't like anything he's done in any other move, right? Like, how many of you guys, we, when we judge something or we test something, we test it according to the Spirit, not according to necessarily the manifestation, because the manifestation could be a little different, but people who have eyes to see and ears to hear are able to discern when it's the Spirit moving in something, right? Amen? How many of you guys know that you can go up to a devil or someone who has demons and say, in Jesus' name, be gone, and him turn and go, Paul I know, Jesus I know, who are you? You know what gets me about that passage? I understand. I've heard uh, this. I've heard this from someone, and I understand that he said, "Jesus, I know." But he does something else. The demon turns and says, "And Paul, I know." Well, Jesus is the King of Kings, all right? He's he's the Messiah. He's he's God. Paul. He knew Paul. The demon knew Paul. You can make that list. Are you named? Are you named among hell of people to watch out for? See, Jesus I know. Althea I know. Jerry I know. Damien I know. Paul I know. See what I'm saying? But that power comes at a price. It does come at a price. Salvation is free, but the anointing will cost you. Come on. Here's what I want to do. I want to read in First uh, Kings chapter 17, and the Holy Spirit um, gave me a word um, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, and it has to do with trust. And the reason why I think this is important is because of where God is taking us, it's good for us to have a proper allocation of our heart in certain places. And this might sound like a, this might sound different for some people because I know it sounded different for me. And for me, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, he comes to me in a conversation, and he asks me a question. And it's usually a question that I can't answer until I get in the Word. So I have to find out what his Word says about the question that was asked me. Amen? Y'all get that? That's good. So I, um, I'm driving home. It always happens on this one street. I'm almost home. I'm driving home, and he says, David, who do you, he says, who do you trust? And then I... I, of course, I knew the obvious answer, but the peripheral answer to that was, okay, I, I trust this person, I trust this, and I trust this. And then he takes me back to the Proverbs. If you guys know Proverbs chapter 3, it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not unto your own understandings and all his ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your path or make your path straight. How many of you guys know that verse? Have you heard that verse before? Okay. So I want to talk about trust, and the reason why I want to talk about trust is because as a body of believers, a lot of the heartache that we experience that causes us to reduce our passion for life and the things that God has called us to has to deal with misallocating our trust. What does the proverb say? It says, trust in the Lord with what? How much of it? So how much am I supposed, how much of my heart am I supposed to give you to trust in? How much, how much should I trust, how much of my heart should I give to somebody in order, how much trust do I give this person? How much trust, how much trust do I give you? If, if I give God 99% of my trust and 1% of my trust I withhold so I could put it in somebody, I start to change where I receive my understanding from. Trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not unto my own understanding. In all my ways acknowledge him. He will make my path straight. As God is leading us into revival, he starts to put things in front of our life to test the trust that we are called to give to him. Are you trusting the Lord for a job? Or are you trusting in a job to prove God is good? Are, what are you putting trust in starts to determine the depth of the understanding that you live by and actually form thoughts by. And I had this passage in, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. And you guys know about the prophet Elijah. It says, we're just going to read a lot of it. It says, verse 1, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve... There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. After a while, the brook dried up. Everybody say the brook dried up. Hmm. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Now, there was no rainfall, right? When was it going to rain again? When Elijah said so. See, there's power in the prophetic. There's power in what you speak. 
some of us have proclaimed things in our life and God has provided a brook. He's provided some ravens. But you know what? After a while, that brook's going to dry up. Raven's going to stop bringing you food. Whose fault is that? It's yours. Because it's not going to rain again until you speak. That's how much power God has entrusted with us. If you're tired of the dry seasons in your life, learn how to talk. Learn how to open up the windows of heaven and stir what he has already given you the empowerment to stir. It says this in verse um, verse 8. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little, a little water in a cup? And uh, as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. And I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die but Elijah said to her don't be afraid go ahead and do just what you said but make a little bread for me first <laughs> then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son for this is what the Lord the God of Israel says there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the son, the, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and he finally died. Then she said to Elijah, O oh man of God, what have you done to me? You have come here to point out my sins and kill my son. But Elijah said, Give me your son. He took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and he laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, why have you brought this tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he was revived. Then Elijah brought him from the upper room and gave him to his mother. He said, look, your son is alive. And the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that you truly, that he, the Lord truly speaks through you. There is something that God has, has called us to walk in. And 
I know that in this season that he's taking us into, it's easy for us to train ourselves to give trust, give pieces of our heart to things that in Scripture he doesn't tell us to give our heart to. And we guys know the word says that guard your heart, for from it flows all of the issues of life. Right? That's what the word says. And it's weird when you start te- when you start talking, especially up here, and it really sounds like I'm saying, don't trust what you have been taught to trust, either inadvertently or on purpose. And in all reality, that is what I'm saying. There's only one thing that deserves your trust. There's only one thing that requires your trust. And f- actually, as I took a step back, as I'm traveling home, and God says, he says, Who, what do you trust? Who do you trust? And I started thinking about, I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, yeah, I trust you. And, and then I started all the conditionalizing. I trust that I'm going to have a job on Monday. That'd be cool. I trust that my wife's going to be there for me. I trust that. And see what we start to do? We start to put little things. And we start to remove what is supposed to be. We, we start to generalize our trust rather than isolating our trust. And when you start to generalize what you trust in, when I trust in this and I trust in this and I trust in this, I start to give pieces of my heart away And then what I'm doing is I'm allowing for the enemy to come in and when those things fail, because they're going to fail. You guys know that this this isn't like a cop-out, but how many of you guys, people fail you? You are going to have an expectation for a person, somebody in life, and they are going to fall short to some degree. Okay? What it's hard for us to do is learn the difference between trusting a person and honoring a person. Because we are called to honor. We are actually, the Bible says we're called to honor all men. But the Bible actually never once says to trust men. It never gives us a request, a teaching, a command where What is to be trusted is anything other than only him. And there is a big difference between honoring somebody and putting my trust in that somebody. You understand that honor is a directional flow of what you are giving to a person. I'm going to honor you because I have been honored and I honor you. I honor you. But trust does Trust says, I need you to perform. That's what trust does. God will perform for you. He will dance over you. He will cause the heavens to be open. But what happens is when things start to catch your eye and you start to see the God, the goodness of God in things, and you start to say, wow, God blessed me with this home. Wow. And then you take the trust that was supposed to be isolated and kept in containment in God, and you put it in the house, 
and something happens to the house, what happens is you take that as a sign that God isn't trustworthy. Well, he is trustworthy. You just took your heart and you put it in what he gave you rather than the giver. You realize that God can give you something and it's his to give you and it's his to take away. Because he alone deserves the entirety of your heart. We have, um, I'm going to share a little of the foundation stuff. Kim and me, we spent a lot of time looking for our house and finding the location. I should say, Kim spent a lot of time looking for our house, finding the location, finding the right price, all those things. I, I tell her, look, you pick it and I'll pay for it. I don't, I don't really care as long as it's not too far away from my, my work so I don't have to spend too much drive driving. But, but all of a sudden, we've been in the house for over 10 years now. What, almost, almost 10 years now. That's right, almost 10 years. And we're starting to notice little hairline cracks. Just a little bit, all right? Just, and yeah, you guys know that when you're in a house, there's going to be a little bit of separation, but there's a difference of structural foundation repair and, and just little separation. And so we're, we're, looking, and it's, we're looking at this, and we're like, oh, no, we need to get an inspector out. And it's interesting to know, to pay attention, like a third-party view of what, what your heart is doing in this moment. Like, oh no, oh my house value, what if we have to sell, we have to do this. And uh, in, in my heart is starting to go, it's starting to try to shake. And then I get this word like a month ago and he's like, what do you trust in? And it's very hard when you are given something that he gave you because he was the one who gave us that house. It was a blessing. We did have to co-work. We worked for it, and he gave us what we needed in order to buy it. And so we're in this house, and things start happening to the house just like anything in life. Things start happening, and you feel this tug of your heart. It's trying to take ownership. But you guys see that? It's trying to take ownership of your heart because once the enemy can, al- can convince you that, look, this has failed. God gave it to you. He's not worth trusting. Then you have to find something else to trust in. And then it's not him anymore. Then after a while, here's the real dangerous part. You stop trusting altogether because you're tired of being burnt out. You guys have been there. Yeah, yeah, things are going good. Oh, oh things are going good. Oh. Then after about the 20th time, you realize something. I have to create a protocol in my heart that doesn't allow itself to get burnt out. So what do I do? I don't care. I've learned that if I don't care, I won't get burnt out. Now I'm safe. No, it's not that you're safe. Now you're dead. Now you don't care for anything. So there's this need to preserve and reestablish what needs to be trusted. And when God gives us something, we celebrate it and we love it. We love him for it. We love the things that he blesses us with. We love him for it. 
but we don't love it any different when he takes it away. And the reason is, is because when God gives you something, when God gives us grace, we know this, for instance, it's not because we deserve it. It's because of his goodness that he gives us what he gives us. Amen? You guys know we didn't, we didn't deserve, we didn't deserve Jesus, right? But what he did, G God sent his son, son to demonstrate to us that he thought, his thoughts for us were found in this son. And he was restoring that relationship, that identity of who we are. So we are called to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, all of it. And what I'd like us to do today is examine our hearts to see where pieces of it have split off. Man, I've put my... It's not that you you put your trust in you put your trust in the Lord, but what happens is as as you trust in the Lord and his goodness starts to bleed and provision is made, part of the trust is tied because your heart is tied to those things. Does that make sense? And it's hard you basically you think think about the things that you care about. You think about the things that you care about. And you say, did my trust go with it to that thing? When God gave me a job, that amazing job that I had, and then he removed it from me, he took it away from me or, or whatever. It, maybe you got fired, maybe you, you, you got sloppy, I don't know. But you don't have it anymore. Do you, do you start to curse what happened in that situation? Or do you allow that to affect your praise? Or do you keep going? So trust is something that we have to guard, right? It is something that we have to guard. And one thing that I want my, I want my children to learn to trust who Father is in my heart based on what I can, what I can give them. I can demonstrate the Father's heart to my children, right? But I also want them to know they are to honor me and I am honoring them. But as I honor them, I don't want them actually to put their trust in me. I want them to recognize the honor that is exchanged, but them only to trust in the Lord because I am going to let my kids down. I am going to let my wife down. I'm not preparing for that, and that isn't a... Here, here, what, I, what I mean by me letting them down is there are expectations in their life that I can't and not, am not supposed to meet. Amen? Right? How many of you guys know, do you guys have any relationships that people are expecting things from you and you're just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, it just ain't going to happen. <laughs> All right? But when we are called to trust in the Lord... And we actually honor him and we honor men and we honor the relationship and the spirit and the presence and we steward this thing between us. Man, Mark, I honor you. I, I love you. I, I love being with you. Uh, when you tell me uh, uh, today, this is so funny. T today I, I went and I picked up Mark. Can I share this? Okay. So today I went and I picked up Mark. He's getting here for music practice and, and as I'm 
I'm going to pick him up, he sends me an address. He sends me an address. I get it on my phone. I click on it, and it sends me a waypoint. And it was uh, right over next to Bill and Judy's house. And so I was like, okay, there we go. So I show up at the waypoint, and I'm like, okay. And I texted him. I said, okay, I'm here. And then he called me and was like, David, um, I'm right outside, and I don't see you. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm at the address you sent me. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what's going on, but I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm like, well, I'm right here too, you know? And so what happened was, this is so funny. He, he's like, well, I'm, here's where I'm at. And he tells me the intersection where he's at. And I was like, that's, that's nowhere close to the address you sent me. And he's like, well, this, this is the address. This is, and he, he told me the address. And it's like, what in the world? Well, I have to like break off of what my GPS was telling me. Because when I would click on the link that he sent me, it sent me to a different place on the GPS. And I actually had to break off the GPS, and I had to go with what he was telling me. Because there was a miscommunication between what he texted me when I clicked on it and the location that it sent me to. And sometimes, sometimes we are trusting in a protocol or tools that are great. Man, there's, they make life easier. They're a blessing. But it's not relationship. And God wants you to trust in the relationship between you and Him. Not the relationship through the other things that He has given you as a gift because of His goodness. Somebody has worked really hard. Have you guys ever seen the cars that drive around with the cameras on top and they take screenshot or shots and they just store data and they're uploading it everywhere and it just, man, and you can get on your phone and I could pretty much get anywhere I need to go. But there are those situations that only relationship can get me where I need to go. And there are things there are things in my life I have to realize that, man, I don't need to be putting my trust in the tools. I don't need to be putting my trust in the other things. I don't need to be putting my trust in my career, in my, in my relationships. I need to be putting my trust in the Lord. And so, anyway, um, he's like, look, I'm at this intersection. I pull up to the intersection. Yeah, and there he is. It's just, just like he said. And then he was like, man, I'm so sorry. I, I sent you the address. And I was like, I clicked on the address. And I showed it to him. And I was like, watch this. And I pulled up the text. I clicked on the address. And it sent me way far off. And he was like, man, that, I'm so sorry. That is, not, <laughs> that is not the address. And so it's just interesting that when you identify, when you put your trust in something that he has given you due to his goodness, and it's wrong. Something bad happens. It's removed. It's stripped away. That relationship goes sour. That job turns out. That house gets cracks in it. That, you know, whatever. I can say, man, Mark doesn't know how to send an address. What's wrong with him? 
How many of you guys know it would be really, it would be a bad call for me to think that Mark is not trustworthy? Because Mark, he is trustworthy. He, 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 he is a man of honor. He honored me by giving the right waypoint, the right address. But the problem was in translating that. Sometimes when God gives us something, we can mistranslate what he's trying to tell us. When God gives you something, when God blesses you with something, and he's like, this is, this is because I love you. I, just, I love you, and I'm going to bless you with this. Wow, God blessed me with, he healed me, he blessed me. Now I can go eat whatever I want to. It's like, no, that's the wrong message. You're going to, man, okay, you're going to go do it. But that doesn't going to stop my giving. I'm still going to give. He still gives. And so I don't miss, I don't say, you know, I can't, I can't put my trust in Mark. I can't do that. You know, I can't listen to Mark because he is, he's messed up, you know. And some people do that with God. God, you messed up. You told me this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen the way you said it was going to happen. I mean, you guys know later on in the story when the, when the, the widow of Zarephath, her son died, and the prophet went up, and the Bible said it laid on the, son, laid on the boy three times. First time didn't work. Second time didn't work. It was the third time when he laid down on the boy. And he was crying out to the Lord, and God restored his life. He brought him to the end. The Bible says that she said, now I know you're a man of God. Now I know you're a man of God. How bad would it be, though, for that woman to continue on living? And, her st- and if she started to put her faith and trust in the pots and jars that God provided for her? What happens if she, she goes to the pots and, oh, man, we're going to be good. We're going to eat like kings. All right. And she comes and she's cooking. She's making pancakes morning, noon, and night. It's like IHOP. And she's going in there and she's making good food. And then all of a sudden, one day, one day, one morning, it starts raining. She's like, all right, kids, let's get some, let's get some food. And she opens up the jars and they're gone. See, the word said that they would stop refilling when it would start raining again because then the rain would feed the land and the famine would stop. See, God wasn't trying to give them an all-you-can-eat for the rest of your life. He was giving them a means of sustenance. You guys understand that when God blesses you with something good. He isn't trying to give you this universal whatever. He actually wants you to continue to grow as a person and work. So you come into a season of refreshing, okay? You come into revival. We come into this amazing season where God is moving. And guess what? When that's done, what are you going to do? Are you going to complain because you just lost that love and feeling or are you going to get to work because he has proven his faithfulness when you had nothing and now he's provided the rain you can go work and continue to co-labor in the work that he wants you to trust him with you guys understand the difference when you are living 
and all you are living in is by pots. Would you rather live by the miraculous pot pot providing, God's providing pots with the oil and the flour every day? Would you rather live that way or would you rather be able to join with the rain and the other provision around and saying, I am stewarding the miraculous so I can provide for my family. You guys see what I'm saying? There are some people who would much rather live with the let's see if God did a miracle today. Woo! But when it starts to rain, they think, oh, no. What it is, it's spiritual welfare. There's a welfare state in the body of Christ. And they're, they're, they're just looking for a little peace from God. But he's like, man, I've given you the ability. It's raining, guys. It's raining. Get out there and work. So what God is calling us to is to trust in the word. When I say the word, when I see God brought the word in a couple different points in that when he was speaking to the widow. He brought the word saying that if you make me food, God's going to bless you. He's going to give you enough food. And he did. And then when the woman died, when the man, uh, the son died, raised it again. She said, now I know. At some point in your life, you're going to come into some of the worst, the worst period of your life. And it's that, that point where trust is going to be tested. Because there's the primary source of your heart is going to be shaken and look, sometimes it, it sometimes uh, actually, in, when it happened to Job, it wasn't the Lord; it was the enemy. And uh, James shared an amazing. Uh, when we talked about um, trials. There are some trials that we go through that are from the Lord. Some trials that we go through the the was it the enemy sends, and sometimes they just happen. They they really aren't like oh you did this and this has happened because of that. Sometimes stuff just happens. And we still have to learn that even in those situations, trust has to be placed in the Lord. So, amen. Amen. I wanted to just, um, I want to ask you guys if, if this is something I can agree with you on. If this is something that Holy Spirit says, yeah, you, you kind of have your trust in a couple, you have your trust in your friends. If I was to remove your friends from your life, you'd be a mess. If I was to re- remove this from your life, you'd be a mess. And I know he's talking. If I was to remove this, you'd be a mess. And he wants to say to you that those are gifts, but that is not where your heart is supposed to be. That is not where, that is not supposed to be the thing that stewards the condition of your soul. It is him that we put our trust in. Sometimes we have trust in our dreams. Like, not like, not like I'm going to bed, but we have a dream. And we're pursuing the dream. And what we're trusting is we trust that w- we put more hope or trust in the promise rather than who gave the promise. We're so looking forward to the promise coming 
we're not looking for the relationship that is being developed through the promise. I just feel like if you'd spend more time on the on the relationship, you wouldn't have to worry about the promise because it would take care of itself. Amen. As long as I'm as long as I'm spending time with who I want to be with, it my journey is going to happen. It's 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 only a matter of time before it happens. And there's one more thing that I wanted to close. Um, just thank you, Jesus. I just want to, for those who are a little weirded out, this is this just maybe sounds like just a weird message in and of itself. We're not talking about not caring about anything. We're talking about allowing the caring that you will have to have a healthy relationship with your heart. And you guys know there are relationships that you can enjoy that are unhealthy for you. And there are things that we can trust in that that are actually unhealthy for you to trust in in that manner. And I think what God is calling us to is is that when when we are coming into his presence, when we are when we are worshiping, when we are together, we are able to look past all the things that the enemy would like us to get distracted on. He wants us to focus on anything but the Lord. He wants us to focus on, oh, we're not doing enough, or this could have been done better, or or that person didn't do this, or, you know, oh, my, my husband has problems, or my... This isn't going the way it's supposed to. Th- those issues, just so you know, I don't know if you guys know this, those are always going to be around. Those are always going to be around. Are you able to steward your heart and accurately place your trust in what it needs to be trusting in? All right. Um, can I just pray with you guys this morning? I just want to pray with you, and I want to dismiss you. Um, some of you are, here's what it was. Some of you are trusting for God to do something rather than trusting in God that he will do it. You're trusting for God to act. You're trusting in him to move rather than just putting your trust in him to be God. Your trust for God to do something is Lord, I, I trust in you if you do this, or I am trusting that you will do this, not, Lord, I am trusting in you no matter what you do, I'm trusting in you. And this is what Dave, he says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. So when you have a, 
God, I am counting on you doing this. That what happens is you're trusting in him performing rather than him being God. Trust in God to be God and to relax and enjoy his presence and what he gives you, celebrate. What he removes, celebrate. Amen. Holy Spirit, I just, I just ask for you to come into this room. Well, you're here. Lord, I, I, I thank you for being here. I thank you for coming and calming our heart. I thank you for preparing us for the work of ministry. Lord, just as, as Chuck was saying this morning, that, that the people of God, that, that they are called to be equipped to go out and do the work of ministry. Lord, and as we do works of ministry, there are things that are going to happen. There are, there's going to be a move of God, and we will keep our eyes on you. We will not look at the move. We won't look at other things. We will keep our eyes on Jesus. When we worship, we're focusing on you. We're focusing on your goodness, on your heart towards us, on your love towards us, the grace that is unconditionally given and pouring out for us, Lord, and the flow of God is just going to move. And your word even says that signs and wonders will not lead those who believe. They're going to follow those who believe. Lord, that we're actually not looking for, we're not looking for a revival fire because we're the ones that are called to start the fire. We're the fire starters, God. We're setting Smokey the Bear for the hills. Lord, I thank you that only we can prevent revival fires, and you are causing us to, Lord, be spiritual pyros. God, we are, Lord, let us be able to come out of the worry come out of the conditionalizing of our trust, of all the things that we get so worried about and try to put you in some formulative box. God, we just say, Lord, we will trust that you are working and that you're good and we love you. And, and Father, I just, I thank you for uh, people who have, who have been trusting you for a long time. And the enemy has tried to, he has tried to distract, derail them. He's tried to get their eyes off of you and get it on something else. And in the name of Jesus, enemy, we call you out. We know what you're about. We know what you're trying to do. We know that as these waves of doubt are coming against us, we know there's only one thing we are to call, we are called to put our trust in. And Father, we just, we thank you that you are, you're restoring the joy in our lives. Lord, we know that you are the source of the joy and that is that joy that is our strength. So God, I just pray over your people this morning and I bless them. I thank you for them. And Lord, you are, you're going to start to to release a, a deeper level of outpouring because we are learning to steward our hearts. Jesus would steward his heart. 
Lord, I thank you for teaching us to steward our heart to only be worried about what is the will of our Father. What is the Father doing? His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We trust you are doing an awesome work. We thank you, God, that you are moving. Yes, you're moving in our marriages. You're moving in our homes. You're moving in our families. You're moving in our jobs. You're doing it, but you're not doing it because we're making things better there. You're doing it because our focus is on you. We're not worried about what is going around us. We are focusing on you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you.